Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hey, this is Toy Shiv, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists. The Marvel Universe Podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of this toy-tastic episode, we want to tell you all at home how to get a hold of us on Themzar social media. Play on, toy-tastic. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. Give us a like-ski on there. Also, on Instagram and the Twitter machine, you can find us at... The Marvelists. On top of that, individually, you can find us on social media. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster, and on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Melnick. But remember, there is only one place on the whole worldwide interweb. Yes, one little speckle of sand in the cosmicness that is the worldwide interwebs, and that is Instagram. And that's where you can find Eddie Wilson, and that is at... Eddie9193. And on top of that, you can listen to the show on a wide variety of streaming and listening platforms for your downloadable delight. And that is on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, among many, many others where you can wrangle that RSS feed and listen to this show. And also, remember, we are on iTunes, the grand pumba of all of those listening platforms. And when you're on there, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and share this show on social media. But remember, with iTunes, with that rating, be sure to keep it five stars. Five stars. I want to do it five times like the rest of the Booker T, but I'm not going to do it. So we're just going to get into the show itself. Oh, thank Eddie, goodness. We are joined on the other line of the Tin Cannon String with a guy over on the best coast. He is a man on the YouTubes. We're going, over to, we're, we're going over to the YouTube machine now. And I got to meet this guy at Toy Fair 2020 while we were waiting to speak with the Todd Father himself, Todd McFarlane. He is Toy Shiz. Toy Shiz, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's craziness, much like most of the world right now. But I think uh, we're all trying to hang in there as best as we can. Absolutely. And one of the things that... When we were at Toy Fair, obviously the one major connector for all of us at the show was our love of toys. And you and me both, we, I immediately started talking to you just because I saw your card, I saw your T-shirt of the Toy Shiz logo, and it was in the style of the early 90s Toy Biz logo, and I immediately had to start talking to you. And well, I'm glad you did. Dude, it was like, let's... That is one of the logos that is synonymous with so many of our childhoods. And I remember growing up as a kid being experienced with the Marvel toys, specifically the Spider-Man 1994 action figure line. What was your introduction to Marvel toys? Um, you know, I had some of the, uh, the earliest, like, toy biz toys. Um, really, though, it, it really took off for me with, Spider-Man the Animated Series and, you know, that cartoon and then leading into all the different Spider-Man toys and different waves and all that. And then, of course, as you started to uh, see them more on the actual cartoon, it led to me getting in more like the X-Men, um, you know, Daredevil, Ghost Rider, things like that. And then really just, um, you know, wanting to know more outside of comic books. You know, you always used to have uh, comic books was your main mainstay. Cartoons were here and there with uh, with Marvel properties, especially movies as well. But it wasn't until, like, Fox Kids, X-Men Animated, Spider-Man Animated, that it really started to uh, take off for me. Now, in regards to exact toys, what was your very first Marvel toy with the Toy Biz line? I'll tell you what. I, I, I most likely had I had uh, you know some of the earlier um, uh, the Toy Biz stuff, but I'll tell you the first, one that I actually remember going to the store, buying at Toys R Us, I remember, was the, um, 
the spider the first Spider-Man wave. I got the uh, was it the web uh, web switch Spider-Man? I can't remember. It's the web pull zipline Spider-Man, something like that. And then Smythe, Carnage, Venom, and Hobgoblin. There's just something about that era of the Marvel toys that's so special. You have like the card backs. You have the simplistic toy design that can do so much with so little. And there's just something great about that, you know? Yeah. It, it was just, uh, it was, it was new and it, you know, seeing all that stuff on the back and, you know, this was before, uh, social media and the internet and, and really just knowing what's coming out, you had to wait or you had to wait till you see new toys and look on the back. And I remember, that was always one of my favorite things was when you'd see a new wave, you flip it over real fast, you're like, oh, cool, this is coming. You know what I mean? Like, you weren't just set with what you just found. You had to know what was coming soon. Now, in regards to a lot of these toys growing up back then, what were, like, so you, you say Spider-Man immediately. That was your first memory. What was your favorite toy line? Yeah. Was Spider-Man that favorite toy line for you? No, my my favorite toy line, uh, especially now growing up, it's still you know front and center in my uh, in my collection. And everything is the real Ghostbusters. That will really always be my go-to. Is just like something that I enjoyed with my family. It was kind of like a thing that we all loved doing. Watch cartoon. Um, that was just uh, my go-to, and I still absolutely love the creativity with those toys. Just uh, you know. Promoting the fact that like it's it's okay to be scared, but if uh, you know you have these ghosts and monsters and everything else, it's uh, for kids especially. It's okay to be scared, but then it, it's really important to like learn to stand up to them and just know that this is all in fun. You know, it's not uh, it's not something detrimental and and things like that. It's uh, so I, I always like that. And again, like I said, to this day, I know the the recent Ghostbusters movie is postponed until 2021. I was really looking forward to those toys. Hopefully, they're still coming out, but. <laughs> Yeah, it'll always be Ghostbusters for me. Were you at the uh, Hasbro event with the announcement of all the Ghostbusters stuff there? Y- yes, that was uh, great. They even brought out the, um, uh, you know, the, the directors, uh, uh, Ivan and Jason, yeah. That was that was one of those when we were there, I was completely shocked to see them. And I was actually hoping to run into them on the uh, floor of there, but unfortunately that was not the case. But... Being able to see yeah. that whole Ghostbuster layout too, especially the uh, the props and everything on display, absolutely cool. They had yeah. a uh, a gorgeous setup uh, in the in the booth and the whole Hasbro um, unveiling, like really just seeing all of uh, you know kind of what you're seeing from the Afterlife trailer, all of the uh, Egon's equipment, everything's kind of old, and they had old computers up, you had old newspaper clippings from the Ghostbuster movies and little hints at, you know, certain things. And he had all the proton packs and the traps. And at the back of the uh, Ecto-1 was, like, right front and center. And, um, ah, dang, yeah, they nailed it. They, they absolutely nailed that booth. And one of the things with Hasbro right now is a lot of the what's old is new kind of aspect. And going back over to Marvel, I was noticing, like, the past two years, they're heavily promoting the retro line of the Marvel figures, the Marvel Legends, with the retro-style card backs, the old-school character designs. What do you think about seeing Marvel and Hasbro uh, paying homage to their roots? Um, I, I like what they're doing um, for the most part. Now, when, you know, I, I've been bugging them for a while. I'm like, you do Spider-Man the animated series. And, like, you know, they were kind of strong. Oh, you know, maybe you might have some. Now that they've kind of said, okay, we have, like, these old retro card backs for the Spider-Man line, and those are coming out in the fall. I'm very excited because especially one of the, the new Spider-Man is amazing. I got to kind of see it firsthand in the articulation. Um, while I, I appreciate the character selection, and they're going to be having other characters uh, in that particular wave, I would love to see them. Bugging about this too. Like you got to do figures for the original animated series. If he could have done Peter Parker, you know that striped shirt or his uh, you know unbuttoned shirt with the t-shirt underneath, or just the way the characters looked in the actual cartoon. I think we really need that. Toy Biz did their best. We have those amazing toys from back in the day, but in the era that we're living in, and all the technology we can use, and really just pinpoint it and like what NECA does with their cartoon Ninja Turtles line. Like, I would just love to see Spider-Man, the animated series, brought back in that sense. 
One of the things we, uh, on the show for the first time, my partner on the show, Eddie, he just saw for the first time Spider-Man 1994. And, yeah, just mm. the whole aspect of seeing the character designs of the teal-striped shirt would be cool to see as an action figure nowadays. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got a, a, just a really charming uh, retro sense of the 90s to it, you know, especially with a lot of Aerosmith thrown in, you know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> the guitar riffs. And it's just, it's a very poignant show in the sense of like, it's, it's very localized to the 90s. There's not a lot of cell phones being thrown around. There's not a lot of technology outside of like that marble kind of fantastical kind of uh, elements. And for that, I really appreciate it. A lot of times the new cartoons, you know, everything's internet-based or, you know, it, they rely so heavily on that. Whereas this was Spider-Man, doing Spider-Man things. Well, you know, I got to ask for some history here, Toy Shiz, especially because I'm hearing a lot of, you know, 90s stuff is when Toy Biz and everything. And I think I was out of it at that point. So, um, you know, the collecting comic books for my end of it was was tapering out in like 93 or so. And if the toys were just coming to the forefront, then I think I was totally, I had my back turned toward it. So was that the big boom of, of the toys and, uh, or was there stuff maybe earlier, but just not as popular and, and now it's oh, just Eddie, still all can, over. You can say petering out. You, you petered out in the comics. I won't take offense. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I think that, uh, let's say from the mid eighties to the late eighties, there were some, a lot of interest in superhero toys. Um, I don't think it quite, uh, had that explosive nature as when X-Men and Spider-Man really took off with Toy Biz. I think that during those times, um, you know, let's say 91 through 96, 97, that's when it really just escalated. And that's when you also started to see other companies taking notice and going, oh, hey, like McFarland, for instance, like, you know, if you're doing it this way, we're going to do, you know, these, these super detailed characters. And they're all kind of like competing with one another. And that's the time when you just saw, like, the best the best things ever for the price point that you were seeing in that. And in regards to a lot of that era, like, I recently got my hands on a uh, Youngblood action figure of the, the uh, character Troll. And even nice. something like that from uh, the McFarlane era, the detail is absolutely insane. And it's kind of funny because when we did our interview with Todd, he had mentioned that we're making these toys, and it's sculpting clay. That's all it is. We want to make these things look as good as possible. Anything can be done with this. And yeah, it's, kind of, it's also kind of funny because he had mentioned, you know, he wants to do re-releases of the original figures. And he would, like, point to, like, certain ones and be like, oh, I hated how this came about. I'm like, are, are you kidding me? That looked gorgeous. And yet, you, like, I understand. I can, <laughs> you know, go for it. But, like, damn, like, really? That was considered bad? You know, it's it's funny, like, I'll tell you right off the bat, a lot of people, you know, they say to me, well, how do you like this figure? It doesn't have any articulation to it. And I say, you know, I grew up in that era where we were at five points, if that, then they started putting some, you know, toe, maybe a foot rocker in there, something like that. So for me, I really gravitate more towards if the characters are spot on to what the source material is rather than articulation. If you could put in just a few points, I'm usually good with that. You know, it's, I know it can be frustrating, especially for photographers and people that want to take photos, but I'm, I'm different in the sense of, you know, I like having lots of accessories or, you know, uh, different heads or something like that. And I'll take that any day over articulation, but those are my own personal, you know, responses to everything that's the toy world. Um, when you get a really articulated figure, uh, that's not always a good thing. Sometimes it can look, uh, you know, odd in certain poses and things like that. So I think what, like, especially like what McFarland does is, you know, you have uh, Todd McFarland's sense of uh, art, artistry and he, him knowing, you know, what looks good in a particular pose. Like I'm looking at a, a monster spawn on my desk right now. He's got him in the ferocious, you know, pose. You can move the hands if you want, kind of change it up a little bit. But I don't necessarily need you know, this, this massively articulated figure when it's already kind of done, and I'm one of those that put them on the shelf, and I appreciate it from from afar, you know? So, it's... Uh, and there's, yeah, there's just something also in regards to articulation. You mentioned about how, like, a figure can look posed fine. 
Another thing on top of the articulation is sometimes it can make it be a little bit more delicate. And as a result, you end up with a broken toy, you know, with like just if you move it ever yeah. so slightly because of that. Like as much as I love them for how great they look for the lesser value compared to hot toys, the SH Figure Arts toys by Bandai are infamous for their delicacy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I'm I'm not a I'm not a huge collector of like um, SH Figure Arts. Uh, I do have some some Bandai uh, figures. I, I do I have a couple, let's say here and there. Um, but yeah, I do hear things all the time, especially let's say with like the amazing Yamaguchi line, which for me I don't own any. I have plans to, you know what I mean? If they're on the list, mm. eventually check them out. Um, but I hear notoriously things breaking, things you know going south, or even with as much articulation as it has, uh, sometimes it doesn't really work out. Sometimes it doesn't look as attractive as say a pre-post figure. So you know, there's complaints on both ends, and there's good, good and bad on both ends. And on, you know, going over, going back over, rewinding the clock over to the retro toy biz figures, the original style. There's just something about mm-hmm. that minimalism and the sense of quaintness to how the original Marvel figures looked. And I think there's something very appealing about it that, you know, Toysha, yourself and I were around the same age. It's that sense of nostalgia, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, one of the main things I try to promote, um, you know, with the, with the Toysha's idea of, you know, it, it's so amazing what we have coming out these days, but to really appreciate what they're doing now, you have to really look to the past and go, this is what was before, and all the, it's taken all this time, all these iterations, everything else, all the technology that we have to get them to look exactly like they do, um, you know, from the actual source material and stuff. You know, they, Toy Biz, they, they did kind of like a comic book slash cartoon for various uh, properties. You know, everything was not, let's say, as angular as Spider-Man the Animated Series or X-Men or something like that, but they worked with that being going like, oh, you know, it, it, here's the comic book. They put a lot of comic book uh, stuff, characters, things that didn't appear on shows, and I think it was a good, well-balanced look where you didn't mind as much uh, growing up, you know, Morbius, one of the figures, you know, not looking really anything like his cartoon counterpoint. They kind of changed the figure later on with one of their last sets. But while well, even as a kid, I was like, oh, man, like, you know, that doesn't really look like the cartoon. I was more happy to have a Morbius figure, you know, and just to get these toys, these characters that you would not seen back in the day. And uh, it, it was just wild. It was a wild time. And characters... Big toys for almost every character, it seems like. When you mentioned about the Morbius uh, figure not resembling the cartoon version, that for some reason the immediate thought for me is Mego with the Star Trek line of figures, where one of the characters was right. supposed to be this <laughs> alien, and they just repainted the lizard from Spider-Man and put his head on a Dr. Zayas uh, body. So that's immediately the first thing <laughs> I think of. And you got you got to save money somehow, right? It's your budget. Exactly. Yep. Oh yeah. And like one of the things also I love the thrill of the hunt. I love going to flea markets and finding, you know, a vendor that has like nothing but like retro style figures, the original ones. And oh, yeah. I keep calling them retro style, the originals, just the original. But one of the, I also I love coming across them and like for example, by me there's a uh, store like a discount warehouse store that somehow came across a gigantic assortment of Marvel Toy Biz figures, and they were, like, selling them for, like, $3 a figure, and oh, it's it's such a cool thing. Like, they're, it's not a lot of the good figures, but they did have, like, the, uh, remember those 12-inch uh, Marvel Universe figures where it was, there was no points of articulation, but they had, like, the X-Men series where there was, like, a Rogue, there was uh, Mystique and whatnot, Oh, yeah. 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 They had those. And, like, I immediately snagged Rogue and Mystique. I'm like, well, for the price point that these are at and the availability, to be honest, this is a must buy, you know? You know, it, it, it's funny. Um, by the way, to, to just answer your thing about uh, thrift stores and flea markets and everything, I, if I am having such withdrawal, you know what I mean? Like, with this whole, you know, thing that's going on in the world right now, I mean, 
I hope you get back to normal soon. I, I miss going to those things. It's only been like a month, but there's yeah. nothing better than going to a flea market and, and seeing a row of uh, individual bagged figures and going through each one, you know, like, how much is this one? Okay, I'll do, uh, like, how much for all 10 of these, you know? And uh, I miss, it seems like it's been years. I miss those times, those days. <laughs> Over by us, there's a uh, flea market called the Stormville Airport Antique and Thrift Show or whatever, and they'll have, like, a flea market, Ooh. then they'll have, like, a regular whatever. But, like I say, a flea market and a yard sale. And when I've gone, there's one vendor that has, like, nothing but toys, and it's, like, a lot of Happy Meal toys, a lot of, you know, Star Wars figures, especially Greenback and Redback Power of the Force cards. But you see all that stuff, and then you just see, like, the superhero section. And it kind of speaks volumes about how much the X-Men meant, especially in the 90s, because almost everything in there, you'll see Sabretooth with the battle scars on his torso that can change to, you know, healed. You have, like, all these different iterations of Wolverine. It's, it's kind of wild to see that at one point in time, X-Men was the brand for Marvel. It, yeah, it really was. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I would go and, you know, you look at all the, the, the toys on display, and let's say Toys R Us. Toys R Us back in the day, I remember they used to have just wall-to-wall. It was X-Men, Spider-Man, and Marvel vs. Capcom, and, you know, everything. They really ruled the toy aisle for a large section of it. And on the other side was, you know, McFarlane, Ed Kenner. And it, it just, you're absolutely right in the sense of the, the character selection. I mean, they got into the weirdest stuff. I mean, they even started doing uh, comic book storylines for the day. They got AOA. Now Marvel Legends is back to doing uh, Age of Apocalypse as well, which is amazing to see. I mean, I, I'm hearing that they might be tackling other, you know, 90s stuff as well. So it's, it's funny how we went to the 80s. Now we're in the 90s, so it's uh, bringing back a few few memories here and there, that's for sure. You mentioned that Age of Apocalypse wave, but we'd be remiss if we don't talk about that one action figure from the upcoming Marvel Legends line of Jean Grey and the Build-A-Figure part, because that is the absolute <laughs> funniest packaging I've ever seen for a figure ever. That is Where the unintentionally intentional swap-the-figure from the actual company right there. <laughs> I I was dying when I saw that because you just see the gigantic face of that the builder figure and Jean Grey looking on like seriously you're packaging me with him I I barely have room I'm not even the figure point of figure somebody enlighten <laughs> it, me what's the other figure even uh Tushes, what is the oh, sorry, figure again for oh. Age of Apocalypse uh, the builder figure is the Sugar Man. <laughs> And just, you know, for our listeners out there, Twishes, what is a Build-A-Figure, that, if they're not familiar with what a Build-A-Figure is? If, uh, if you're not familiar, Build-A-Figure is this ingenious marketing ploy to get you to buy every single figure, even when you don't want to, for the uh, Marvel uh, Legends line. <laughs> and so each, each figure, let's say there's seven, six, something, whatever uh, number in the wave, each figure will most likely come with a piece. Once you get all the figures, you will build that seventh figure, and it's sort of the freebie for buying all of them. But uh, it definitely works in my sense, yeah. They get me to do it every time. <laughs> and in regards to Build-A-Figures, by the way, from the Marvel Legends line, what are some of your favorite Build-A-Figures? Um, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you my, my most favorite one, and they've yet to, to beat this, is the original Toy Biz Sentinel. That is... Oh, my God. Will, it will always probably be my favorite uh, Build-A-Figure. It's a piece of art. Um, it, it, when you look at it, it's, it's amazing what they used to put out for, you know, that $8.99, $9.99 price tag. You know, you used to get a base, the comic book, weapons, even a Build-A-Figure piece, and this thing is what? Like, looking at it right now, it's got to be at least 12, 13, 14 inches tall, something like that. And um, it's amazing. But they are doing really good ones now these days. Um, I think the most recent one that I really enjoy, let's see, I'm looking around my uh, playroom right now, you know, uh, the Kingpin was a, was a terrific build-a-figure. One of those where it was a lot of, there's a lot of new ingenuity into it, uh, you know, no pin, pinless tech that they're also... Uh, going to be instituting coming soon. Um, 
the you know the most recent one, the demo goblin. They also kind of do it where maybe they can't fit the figure in. They'll turn one of the figures into a, a build a figure. It will be smaller than what you're used to for build a figures, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's not a build a figure. It's not uh, a thing. Although I think a lot of people do. I, I I will admit I do like them when they're huge. You know, a big, massive, chunky character is so much more satisfying than you know the tiny ones, the Koyes and the and the Mantises. <laughs> See, one of my favorite build figures that they've ever done was the Groot from the original Guardians of the Galaxy movie wave, and okay. some people out there get like disappointed with what Marvel does or Marvel and Hasbro does with. A few, like a year or so after the figure is released, they'll end up like combining it together in like a special set and sell it off on its own. But yeah. to be honest, I'm fine with that. I think sometimes it is harder to get some of those figures, especially certain parts, because let's say the Warlock wave. I'm a big Warlock fan. He's one of my all-time favorite new mutants, mm-hmm. one of my favorite you know X-Men characters in general. And it bums me out that he's such a hard figure to get completed because oh, you want to get that, awesome. Well, you're going to have to spend 70 to $80 for uh, Cyclops alone. So, mm-hmm. you know, on the, the black market of action figures. But I like that Marvel and Hasbro will say, hey, you know what, we just released uh, that uh, Avengers Age of Ultron wave Thanos Build-A-Figure as its own individual thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't uh, I don't mind it as long as they uh, throw something new in there, an extra head skull, parts, piece, you know, something to that degree. With, like what you're saying with the Groot, uh, when they re-release it at Toys R Us, he had a uh, little, you know, like it was like the evolution of Groot. Yeah, like baby Groot, yeah. potted plant Groot, uh, decoing. Um, and, and one thing I will say, though, when it really makes sense for a wave, and Guardians of the Galaxy was a great, you know, example. You have all the major characters, minus Ronan. I think that, yeah, they released Ronan later. Um, yeah. You had every major player, and then the actual Build-A-Figure was Groot. So that that was, like, a good way of, of putting Groot in there as well. You got all the characters, and now you have Groot, and you got the entire Guardians of the Galaxy team for that movie. So I like that. Um, I can understand, you know, would agree, you know, I, I'm crazy. I, I Marvel Legends is one of my favorite lines to collect, and I get them all for the most part. There's still a couple from last year I still need to grab, but there's just there's so many. You know, you, you'd be remiss to say, oh, you know, I missed this one, and people go, what? How could you miss that? Well, there's like a thousand that come out every year, so it it can be difficult sometimes. But um, with the Marvel Legends line myself, I know, try my damnedest to like limit myself to specific teams or specific eras or specific characters because I love Spider-Man, but I realize, oh, God, I'm not going to fall down that rabbit hole because then you end up having to get (laughs) Spider-Man. You have to get Venom. You have to get Carnage. You have to get Black Cat. You have to get so-and-so. You even have to get the rabbit and literally from the rabbit hole. But just, oh, so much. (laughs) Well, I think that's what you guys, yeah, you see that. I was just going to say that uh, they've taken off, and I think they've maintained their popularity and to the point where you can go to a Comic-Con, and toys will definitely be a part of that Comic-Con show. But now, and I really haven't been to one, where it's just all a toy-con show, and from I really hear from Peter mostly on how they are, how they go. I don't think I've heard anything at all, maybe very little negative, about going to any toy-con where it's you know it's just toys. So I guess it's really held strong, held its own in popularity. Yeah, I think so. You know, um, like I say, with, with San Diego Comic-Con, um, you know, I used, I've been going for years and years, and I used to go when there wasn't celebrities, and everybody had card tables, and it was few and far between on what they were going to show. Uh, with the popularity of superhero movies with X-Men and Spider-Man kind of having a resurgence, that just... It blew up Comic-Con. It changed Comic-Con into something basically just entertainment con where everything and anything um, would be there. And for me, especially as a kid going there, companies would start doing, um, you know, say like Mattel, they would do uh, the DC multiverse. They'd do a raffle for like a giant anti-monitor or they'd have the exclusive and then exclusives exploded. Mm. So 
every year it seems like Comic-Con is, you know, I can't wait to see what movies coming out. I can't wait to see what this, but for toys and collectibles, it has become a completely different type of animal. Years and years ago, you just walk up, there'd be no line. You know, you'd say, hey, can I get this? Yeah, we got plenty. Nowadays, it's like a feeding frenzy, you know, and you got lots of people that buy them and they resell them and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to see what has become of, like, news in general in association with the nerd kingdom. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned uh, San Diego. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when we were at Toy Fair, you had mentioned that you had met somebody at an earlier Toy Fair, or at Toy Fair, uh, San Diego Comic-Con back in the day. You had mentioned, I believe, that you had met Jack Kirby? Um, he was there. I've met, uh, as a result of going to Comic-Con, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, um, Dan DiDio, you know, all the, all the major people used to just be there. They weren't behind, like, protective foot, you know, glass and everything else nowadays. Um, you know, one of my favorite memories of, uh, of going to Comic-Con with my dad was, you know, we're walking through, he goes, oh, hey, he grabbed my hand, he goes, hold on, I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy, and it was Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk, and, you know, I'm a little kid, he's like, he's like, you know who this guy is? And I'm like, no, he's like, he's the Hulk, and I'm like, well, you know, I know who the Hulk is, this guy, you know, and then him going like, no, this is the guy, and like, this, he was the Hulk, and, you know, blah, 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 so it's, it was few and far between to ever see celebrities there, but nowadays it's just become, it's, of course they're going to be there. Some even, like, I know Adam Savage from Mythbusters, he does a thing every year. He walks around in a costume and sees that people can uh, recognize him. I think he gives him a prize or something like that, which is really funny to me. So. I remember at New York Comic Con one year, both Jared Leto and Mark Ruffalo were walking around in costume at the con that year, and it's it, it, again, you know, you mentioned the whole, the grandeur of what New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con has become. It is absolutely crazy. But even, even if you don't, like, have a ticket to actually go into Comic Con, the amount of uh, events and things, uh, bars over the Gasland District, um, they have interactive things set up all throughout the hotels. Like, you just go there for the day, not even step foot inside the convention center, and you will have a blast. And it's just, it's wall-to-wall just people enjoying every facet of entertainment. You know, TV, Netflix, TV shows, Hulu, you know, they had this huge Jack Ryan set up this past year, big helicopter, and you could jump off the helicopter into a beanbag, and like, oh, (laughs) it was, uh, it's insane. And every year it's gotten, like, who can outdo one another for, uh, for the, um, you know, the sheer marketing value of everything. Now, going back over to the action figures and toys and whatnot, which do you prefer more as not, well, first off, as a collector, but also just as a general fan of this? Toy Biz, the original <laughs> Toy Biz figures for Marvel Legends. I look at it, and some people have actually asked me this before. For me, I will tell you honestly that old toys, Toy Biz, hold such a bigger place in my heart because of all the memories and everything associated to them. You know, with that, uh, Toy Biz was really one of those where I, you know, had my own money to spend or I'd have to do something to earn money and then do the research and find out what toys are coming. You call the Toy Biz hotline. So that's when it first started to take off. Like, this was what I do. I don't need you know, other people helping me. There's it, it, it a sense of, like, I can do this for myself. But with new toys and everything, it's it, they will eventually accrue that, you know, memory and that nostalgia for me. But in all honesty, I would take everything old over new because of just how it holds its value. Now, in regards to a lot of the retro figures of how they were back in the day, what are some of, like, your favorites in terms of, like, the card packs and stuff like that? In terms of the card bag, um, you know what? Uh, the Planet of the Symbiote, um, Toy Biz figures, front and back. Just Toy Biz always had really great artwork. Some of it, you know, I was I looked at the um, the Vampire Wars Spider-Man line not too long ago. It had great artwork, but some of the artwork in certain instances it left you want more. We'll just say, 
But uh, Tortoise always had that like hand-drawn, illustrative element to it, and I really think that 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 at least captures my attention. Um, you want to talk about like the new Hasbro Power Rangers line, um, you know, by 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 the one uh, the artist. Uh, he he does these like beautiful uh, renditions of the Power Rangers, but it's it's not this like overly digital type thing. A lot of stuff they do with the figures now. They show you like a digital mock-up of the toy on the back. Or you know that it's computerized. I always appreciate that extra mile. Uh, you know, NECA does it a lot with recreating retro stuff as well. That hand-drawn, self-made element really helps in, in toys and catching my eye. One thing that I really enjoy also in regards to how a lot of the companies will market their retro-style toys, there was one company, I forgot who it was. Uh, maybe you can enlighten me on it. It was the... Masters of the Universe style figures of the horror monsters. So, like, you had a Jason, you had a Freddy, uh, Pinhead. That was NECA. That was, uh, no, that was uh, Funko's, it's called the Savage World. And okay. it encapsulated uh, the horror figures. They did Thundercats as well. They got Street Fighter. And then they had a now defunct line, but I have every single one because I was just fascinated with it, with uh, the um, the DC Savage World, the um, yeah, it was all the DC characters in like a massive universe style, and, and they even uh, did a comic for that too, I believe. Yeah, they did a comic, they had a lunchbox, they had a T-shirt. Like it was, they went all in on the retro nostalgia feel, but ultimately it kind of fell flat. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't want to say that it wasn't it wasn't the toys necessarily, although they did have some structural problems. A lot of them were found broken or they broke. Um, unfortunately, in and out of packaging, a lot of them you see the leg had fallen off or something like that. Uh, that probably aided in kind of putting a, a negative spin on the figures. But I will tell you though, like it, they were just so radically different. Uh, I know a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, it's just combining two things." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's so bizarre that it was just awesome to me." And you know, I had mentioned those the horror monster ones because. In terms yeah. of the marketing of them, they even use, like, the, the style of lighting for the photographs, you know, to advertise them. Like, I had not mm-hmm. seen stuff like that since, like, the uh, LJN-style figures of, like, you know, the wrestling superstars or the Thundercats yeah. line. It was so cool to see, and it was, like, that attention to detail that you can tell the people that are behind designing these, advertising them, they're not just hey, we're going to make some toys to sell. They're actually real fans of what this product was. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And you can always tell these days when you talk to a company or you see what they're putting out, you can go, okay, you you kind of did the bare minimum of what people want to see and associate with this property. But when you, like you just said, with, with seeing the packaging and seeing all those things, you really know that these are fans making the toys, and that's who I want making them. Toys. You know, even what NECA does, you see every, you know, they put the names of everybody on their package. I love seeing that. Here's the sculptor. Here's the guy who worked on the artwork. Here's the, you know, every little thing is mapped out. And I, I appreciate seeing the artist behind these things because as good as the NECA toys are, you know that the people making them are the, are the biggest fans. And that's who you want to see. Yeah, and it, it's kind of... Uh... It's kind of cool to see that there's that level of love and attention that these products end up getting. And especially, again, you know, with the whole what's old is new again aspect, I love going over to Mego at Toy Fair and seeing everything they had, you know, coming, everything that was already on store shelves, and just that love and attention to what brought them to the dance back in the day is still something that's very prevalent, you know? Yeah. Now, yeah. in regards yeah. to, like, the Marvel Legends, what are some of the characters you would love to see that have not been done? Like, who is your number one white whale figure that you're surprised hasn't been made yet but should be? You know what? I, somebody asked you this, you know, not too long ago, and I'll tell you what. I know that SH Figure Arts is coming out with one. I will say that uh, he's kind of on that, like, Marvel list of figures to make. So I have high hopes to see a Marvel Legends take on the... Um, Japanese Toei Spider-Man. Have you seen the, yes. the photos for that? The, 
that's uh, that was a big one. Although the other half of that would be seeing um, you know his robot Leo Pardon done as well, like a huge <laughs> build a big oh pipe thing. But uh, you know, that's well, right now the rumor is the character is going to show up in Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse two, and if that's the case, yeah. I could kind of see them doing a Build-A-Figure line for that. You know what? I, I, could, I could definitely see it, and I know that, let's say, with Into the Spider-Verse and the Venom movies, they were kind of, I think retailers were a little apprehensive. You know, I don't know how this is going to go. You know, there's a lot of superhero stuff. And I'm like, you know, now that they saw, like, those two movies made a lot of money, oddly enough. Um, and I think that they're definitely not going to miss their opportunity this time around. So, I would say expect a lot of uh, a lot of different figures for uh, for those for those two properties. I know on the topic of Venom, when we were at Toy Fair, there was a lot of uh, Venom merchandise available at Toy Fair that they were you know getting ready to show. And one of the things, yeah, I like that there's the element of what we liked as kids, like the goofy kind of wacky stuff, where it's not it's not about the points of articulation, but it's about the creativity. And the one that just it yeah. struck me was that venom with the goop that would you know you put it in the back and it comes out of the mouth. It just reminded I me. I can't of wait. It. That that's on the list. Oh, I cannot wait for that. And it was it just it brings back that sense of whimsy and nostalgia that you know like for example the Nickelodeon toys from back in the day with Gak, which it's it's weird to say that Gak did not last as long as it did. I mean I. I could have seen Nickelodeon still releasing Gak, but I guess not. I'm going to say any toys, you know, they, they, any toys that come out with goop, oh, you better find a good way to clean them up if they get dusty yeah. or dirty or anything like that. Otherwise, they're not going to be a hit. Yeah, the, that's that's one of the the downsides I would say of like the real Ghostbusters. And what's really funny with those old, if you find them at a thrift store or flea market, if you're lucky to, few and far between these days, but. I remember getting a couple, you know, a good couple of years ago, they had slime, like, like glued to that. You know what I mean? It's stuff stuck on there, and some kid played with it, never washed it off, mm. and it, it was there to stay. Like, I remember putting that stuff under hot water, and it, <laughs> it wasn't going anywhere. But that's, that's part of the fun, too, of, of finding these old toys. And going like, well, somebody really appreciated this. Now it's found its way to, you know, my collection. I'll take care. I'll put it in my glass case or something like that. And uh, you know, you, the best is when you get toys with the kids' names on the back. You know, what I mean, like somebody had this. It was like a cherished toy. You, you know, who is uh, David or who is uh, you know Phil or you know what I mean, something like that. So I always I like those types of toys too. And in regards to also, you know, the retro sense. Marvel is going to be putting out a line of figures. We don't, I, they really didn't specify how they're going to go, if it's going to be one straight-up line, but there were those Fox X-Men figures, and that alone opens up Pandora's box of different possibilities that we could get in the near future. And what did you think about yeah. that big reveal? Um, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I, I did an interview with, uh, Marvel. They kind of, they kind of cleared it up as far as how they're going to release them for the most part. Uh, like Deadpool and Negasonic, that'll be a two pack. Um, was it Cable's a Walmart, Domino and, oh, who's the other, you know, like a couple of them, maybe two packs. The Seek will be a single release. The Wolverines are both single releases. Magneto, X-Men, uh, Magneto, I'm sorry, Professor X are going to be, you know, like a, a two-pack, um, where and how they're exactly released, other than Cable being a Walmart, sort of up in the air as of right now. But I do I do appreciate the fact that they're doing the figures. I'm not a huge fan of the X-Men uh, movies, like really at all. And there's good parts about them, and it is fun sometimes to see, you know, them kind of doing X-Men things. But my hopes is that with whatever Disney Marvel plans to do is that they, they'll do it a little bit more in the vein of the X-Men, whereas this was kind of like almost like the Michael Bay take on them sometimes, but I think in terms of the figures, a lot of people wanted these, and I just think that this is going to be a, a great door to maybe other Fox Avenues. Um, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing 
you know, a certain couple characters here and there pop up. I know when I had spoken with Hasbro on our Toy Fair episode, I had mentioned about the idea of maybe, hey, if you guys are doing X-Men from the Fox you know, universe, this opens up so many different possibilities of, you know, other Marvel movies. Like, the Fantastic Four alone, we could have a Chris Evans, Johnny Storm figure <laughs> alongside right? Chris Evans, yeah. Captain America. I think that, you know, to do something really wild one day, let's just say if it's like, you know, you got that Doctor Strange movie coming up, like what if they just say, oh, you know, they open up a portal and you see like maybe those individual movies happening. So it kind of all ties it together. Like, you know, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, that's a different universe. X-Men, that's a, you know what I mean? So it all kind of fits into what the MCU is doing, but in a really multiversal way. (laughs) I'm still a big fan. There was a uh, fan poster made not too long ago for uh, Into the Spider, or not Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Multiverse of Madness. And it's one of Doctor Strange's uh, fire portals coming out, and you see the Maguire attire just sticking out doing the uh, whip hand signal. And I'm like, that is that is so perfect. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, that is, again, that's the yeah, you mentioned really you know, Multiverse for... of Madness. There's... There's just so many possibilities that we get with this now. Yeah. Well, especially for, like, you know, the upcoming Morbius and the Venom movies and what they're going to be doing with Spider-Man. Like, it's still, you know, up in the air as to, like, you know, what they're really going to do with that. Are they going to go, like, institute other past Spider-Man movies? Are they going to bring in, you know, and kind of tie it all together? I'm very fascinated to see what they're going to do with it while also doing something new with, Morbius and Venom and, and everything else. I've st- I said it on a previous episode, but I have a weird feeling this is all... Like, Multiverse of Madness is tied in with those current X... Or not X-Men. Those current Spider-Man universe movies. There's got to be something. Like, there's got to be a reason why... Why is there a Multiverse of Madness when we have this other, you know, universe of characters? And then on top of that, you have... Spider-Verse. You have that whole aspect of J. Jonah Jameson with doing his best Alex Jonesian impression. It's there's something I feel like there is something in the air about this and I'm I'm excited. Yeah. No, it's very cool and I think with what they did with uh into the Spider-Verse, um they absolutely nailed like I I really think that that could have only been done in that animation type uh, uh, way of doing things. It would have been a really odd live action movie, but I think that opens the door to do other stories on an offshoot from that if they really wanted to go that route. So we shall see. What is the one dream lineup of uh, figures you would love to see down the line for a Marvel Legends uh, wave? Oh, um, they, they kind of are achieving that already with the uh, the Venomized um, stuff. Like, I'm a big fan of Venom, and I like, you know, what they're kind of doing with the Venomized Gwen and Miles and Captain America. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll we'll see some more of those. So that was a, a big one. But honestly, you know, it, it, and still say, like, you know, Spider-Man, the animated I think that's, like, the number one. I would love to see an actual wave of those character designs. Um, or, you know, if, if you can't do an entire wave, put them in here and there. You know, start uh, start doing the kind of Mattel slash McFarlane way of DC Multiverse, where you kind of pick and choose, or even do um, an artist line. You know, do the characters in the style drawn by Jack Kirby or, uh, you know any number of, of different artists, um, I think that would be really cool. Just to just to get a real cool, like, Steranko, uh, you know, something or other, or, you know, something like that. I think it would be fun. McFarlane. And you mentioned just now the McFarlane multi, or, uh, DC multiverse figures, and that is the thing I miss about the original version of the Marvel Legends when they were at Toy Biz, where we're going to have the Sentinel wave, and this wave is going to have Professor Xavier, uh, let's say Spider-Man, Hulk, Thor, Moon Knight for some reason, like characters that don't really have a connection to each other, but they're all there, you know? 
Yeah. And I think that, um, I think Marvel Legends still does that to a degree, but let's say like for the Black Widow wave, they make it work, whereas they got Taskmasters, you have uh, Yelena, you have one Black Widow, but then they pulled uh, comic book type characters that are in espionage and maybe from Black Widow or The Shield or, you know, something along the lines of being a spy. Um, and I like that they tied that in. I can't, I guess you would say the Crimson Dynamo, this particular version, you know, being, uh, you know, associated more with uh, modern comics. It's not a, I would have loved to have seen the original sort of all red version of Crimson Dynamo, but it still works in the sense of uh, each wave kind of has a, uh, a motto or it's got a, a particular sense of style to it. This one being like the spy element. So I'm always, I, enjoy whenever a wave of the Marvel Legends come out pertaining to a movie, you know, like to tie in with a movie. And you watch the hardcore Marvel Cinematic Universe fan go into their conspiracy theories of, wait a minute, Winter Soldier's in this? Oh my God, he's going to show up in uh, Black Widow. When that's probably not the case. They just, yeah, what you said of characters that are similar. It's kind of, it's fun to see that. And it's fun to see, yeah, just an explosion, you know? I think the limits are going to be I, imagination. You, okay. There's going to be there's no limit. The imagination will dictate maybe, you know, whatever you can think of maybe and add the new characters are developed into comics or otherwise they'll they'll come out with a toy line because as you can tell, I'm just learning and and absorbing as much as I can here. Oh, there's a character. They have an absorbing man out there somewhere. I think they, oh yeah. They did they, make an uh, absorbing they had a build man, a figure right? for that guy. Okay. <laughs> And he's a you know, he's, he's big, big figure. A lot of uh, pieces to attach and stuff. <laughs> For myself, the one, uh, the one wave I would love to see would be a Marvel twenty ninety nine. I think the idea of you know maybe seeing that'd be cool. Ra- Ravage twenty ninety nine show up, Doom twenty ninety nine. Any of those characters, like I'm surprised they haven't gone off to do that yet. Well, I would say hopefully with, you know, the resurgence of, uh, of 90s type, I mean, you know, in asking me, you just made me think of it, like, what if they did, like, uh, you know, a Ghost Rider line as well? There's a lot of different Ghost Rider characters, especially in, like, the, the Toy Biz line, and I love those figures, but you haven't exactly gotten those in Marvel Legends. There's a ton of characters they did for Toy Biz, um, so that's a, there's a lot of a lot of uh, room to play with uh, for Ghost Rider, but to get Ghost Rider 2099... Venom 2099, you know, that would be, oh, that's just so delightfully 90s. <laughs> and, uh, you know, going back over to that uh, toy sh- or that warehouse place by me, they had a ton of the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance line from the Toy Biz series. Oh, but it was, it was awesome. of course, just random characters. No actual Ghost Riders were involved in the making of that selling. No. But <laughs> it, was, it was all just random characters that, I guess, appeared in there or were involved with the character. But it was still, again, you know what, walking through there. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, that's, that's like why Marvel Legends um, continue, for, for me, it continues to be such an interesting line is because, um, you know, way back when they made the Blackheart, you know, uh, figure. But, um, you know, there's so many absurd, your characters, like, you know, a lot of people need, you know, Spider-Man, they need Iron Man, things like that. But, you, like, for instance, the Black Widow, you're getting, like, spy masters. You know I mean? Like, I had to do a video on, like, who the heck is this guy? It, it's fun to, it's it's like what I used to do back in the day. You see a character, you have no idea who he is, you're playing with it, you have to do your own research, and you find out, oh, okay, so this guy goes with Iron Man, or, oh, this guy goes with Ghost Rider, you know, something like that. So, um, I think at least for what I used to do back in the day, it, it promotes a lot of like, you know, do it yourself, find out about this character. And then you be you like, you want to know more. And then the next character comes out. Oh, I know that this guy goes with this guy. Or this guy teamed up with this guy. So, um, just in that sense, I think that that's a really cool function of the Marvel legend series. And then, you know, with the retro stuff, like back in the day, I feel like the toys were just as important as a way of making these characters so well-known to pop culture, you know? Like, you look yeah. at the... Like, mm-hmm. I, everyone will say, of course, you know, 
the X-Men animated series is why everyone loves the X-Men, especially in the 90s, as well as the Chris Claremont Jim Lee comics. But I feel the toys are just as important of a role of making the X-Men so prominent, especially during the 90s. I agree. It's funny. It's like you need the cartoon, you need the toys, and then to really hit it home, you got the movies. And that's what really elevates a lot of these characters these days. It's not necessarily comics anymore. And I know people have been to say, no, no, you have to know the comics. Well, it's gotten to that point where the movies dictate who these characters are. And that becomes so much more mainstream than a comic book can do nowadays. Yes, you had comics, and that was the only sense. And then you had cartoons, for the most part, the toys, bringing them home, getting to know that at an early age. But... A good example is, let's say, Spawn. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, why can't Spawn come back? Why, how, can, how come the Spawn, the new Mortal Kombat 11 Spawn figure still, like, was so unavailable? Well, it sold out completely. They underestimated it. I'm saying retail. It's not McFarlane. I'm sure McFarlane, you know, you met Mr. McFarlane. I'm sure he was going, like, Spawn, you know what I mean? Um, but they underestimated. They looked at the Mortal Kombat numbers, and they were like, oh, well, we're only going to order accordingly. You know what I mean? So when they sold yeah. out, that's good news for, for us, for Spawn fans and everything, going, this character is still viable. Not to really get a movie going, that's going to be another struggle because Spawn is a 90s character, and it's largely fell under the radar for a lot of people. If you can get uh, Spawn back in the movies, like you know, Mr. McFarlane was saying, if you can get him in the movies, it's a, it's a way to put him back in the spotlight, so to speak. And it's integral to getting Spawn back into the mainstream. It's funny, too, because every time, you know, I, I will comb the comment threads of Facebook posts, which sometimes I really hate doing because I see a lot of dumb, dumb, dumb comments. But after a while, yeah. though, like some things I'll start to see. Like, let's say they do a topic about what 90s character would you want to see made into a movie? Spawn is always up there as we want to see this. Why aren't they doing it? And yeah, it's interesting. Are these people still the ones reading the comics? Probably not. But they have that sense of nostalgia and that sense of enjoyment of the character over you know how many years it's been. You know. Yeah. It's, I, I think that um, Spawn. It, it, now that we're seeing like Deadpool, you know, do well. We have Wolverine. Um, you know, do well in the R-rated format. Spawn can't be PG-13. It doesn't work. If you really want to take that, that that source material, it needs to be R, and it needs to be like a hard R. It's a very gruesome uh, comic book, and rightfully so. I mean, that's what is appealing. It's a zombie in a superhero costume, basically, but he's mm-hmm. awesome. He's punk rock. He's heavy metal. He's everything. He's just, it's an amazing character, and he and the style and the art style and how he looks is so appealing that I don't know, I, I think it's starting to change the landscape of what people want to see. I think Spawn is is gaining momentum to make a return. You know what I mean? People, the Marvel thing was beautiful for 10 years. They nailed it. Now, what what else you got? You know what I mean? So I think that it's coming soon that I think that uh, the entertainment landscape could change uh, again to, to have a rated R um Spawn movie. I would love to see Spawn, truth be told, as like a Netflix series, like a, you know, eight episode season or something like that. I think that would be cool. One thing, if they were to do a movie for this, you know, you could do a minimized introduction of the character, like his, a quick little backstory, kind of like what they did in Black Panther, where it was one, two, three, introduction of the character in the opening, like maybe, you know, a five minute retelling, and then just get into the meat and potatoes of a regular kind of movie involving the character. No need for an intro. But when they were talking about the Bloomhouse version of Spawn when it was going to happen, and they cast Jamie Foxx, I'm like, that's fine, you know, go for it. But, and I hate being that guy where, you know, I stick to, I want what was, in, what was done in the past. Do a whole CGI Spawn, yeah. you know, no need to show him, but use Keith David. Because that voice is still, that spawned for so many of us. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, what Kevin Conroy is for Batman. You need Keith David as 
Spawn. I mean, he even reprised his role in the Mortal Kombat 11 game for the DLC Spawn. And I, I love and, the, and uh, I, I found that out at the Toy Fair, walking around the booth. I was like, oh my god, I'm even more stoked now. That's amazing. <laughs> and I loved the uh, footage. Somebody threw it up on Twitter of uh, his Mortal Kombat. You know, the opening argument between him and a character, and then they immediately show footage from the Spawn cartoon where he's dropping an F-bomb, and he's, you know, he's doing this thing just looking like a total badass. And it's, yeah, again, it's so cool to see the respect paid to the original stuff. Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, like I said, Spawn has the ability to come back. I think a lot of people, it, this Mortal Kombat 11 figure, I think, really kind of energized it a bit because the figure is so well done. And now, you know, with the with that Kickstarter, I want that Kickstarter to happen. Oh, I just maybe it'll it'll turn into retailers going, oh, uh, all right, this spawn figures are good. You got another one, you know? And I'd love to see the Mortal Kombat skins that they got, all his different decos. I think that if they keep the momentum going, I think that we'll eventually see uh, a return to form of uh, of spawn. So now, before we wrap this episode up, Toy Shows, we want to tell you a big thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you guys. This is, you know, it's, we all have work and things to do still, but it does definitely pass the time to, to be able to hang out and talk with everyone, even, you know, doing our social distancing. Now, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media, and how can people watch the voodoo that you do oh so well on the YouTubes. <laughs> um, make it real simple on everybody. It's just Twishes, T-O-Y-S-H-I with a Z. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, if, if I have it open, that particular thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, largely just uh, Twishes at every single social media, and uh, you should be able to find me, no problemo. Very cool. For The Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Toysha's. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! It's Obsessed with Marvel, featuring our guest, Toysha's. And uh, thank you for participating in this as well. All right. The question... Yeah, thanks for having me. Sure. From the 2,500-question book, we go to 1,825, which reads... Armbar. Reed Richards. No. Where... Did Matt Murdock go to college? Was it Empire State University, Columbia University, Harvard University, or the City University of New York? Where did Matt Murdock go to college? Empire State University, uh, Columbia, Harvard, or the City University of New York? Um, I'd say eliminate the last. Columbia two. was one of those. I'll pick Columbia. Okay. What are you saying, Peter? I'd eliminate the last. Harvard and uh, City University. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Cooney, uh, New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would eliminate ESU because that was a Peter Parker thing, I believe. Yeah, I don't think yeah. ESU had a uh, program for that. So I would also go with Columbia. With Columbia, I'm probably going to go there as well. I, you know, I originally was thinking, well, wait a minute. Is this, is this a trick question? Because did we know that, well, if he wanted to become a lawyer, he had to go to some kind of college, I guess. So. Uh, or, or night school. Let's try B, Columbia University. It is correct. Okay. One for Woo! one. I like that. I think Columbia has a good law program. I think that's, I think that's why I picked that. <laughs> you, well, you know what? That would just make sense in the comics to somewhat uh, skewed mirror reflect some real-life things and make some kind of parallels. All right, 2439. And, yeah, and, Eddie, I actually like your uh, logic behind utilizing Peter Parker's uh, education. That was a really good choice. Well... ESU is what I thought of right away. I'm like, no, that's that's yeah. immediately go to that with with him. So, all right. So the question is 2,431, yeah. almost there. That's close to the end. Two four three one. Okay, and all right. Who was the cyborg siege in Deathlock? Was it Jeff Mace, Jack Castle, Patrick Carney, or John Kelly? I'm so out of this one. Who? Was the cyborg siege in Deathlock? Jeff Mace, Jack Castle, Patrick Carney, John Kelly. I also call this question for people who have never been in my kitchen. Well, then they're all right. Okay. 
Kelly, Jack, is that was that one of them? John Kelly. John Kelly. I was stuck. I was originally originally uh, thinking Jeff Mace, but just that's a wild guess. Jack Castle, Patrick Carney, again John Kelly. I don't I'm even know. John Kelly. <laughs> He's going. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. You're going to do the it's same. Not Castle. It's not. I, it's not Castle. It's not Castle. All right, because we have a Frank Castle, but that's a different thing altogether. Okay. Um, against my Eddie sense, I'm going to go with D. John Kelly also, just because it's the popular thing to do, I guess. So, it is correct. <laughs> I have no idea, by the way. All right, well. Oh, cool. You got it. to be the right idea. <laughs> John Kelly, okay. Yeah, that was, yeah. Wow, and unwittingly two for two here. Let's try for three. Well, I'm thinking, like, John, uh, yeah, Castle definitely, I don't think he's ever had a as far as I know, Frank Castle's never had a brother. Yeah, well, well I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> yeah, okay. This one might go a little bit easier, at least for one of us. And the question, which is 1,330, says, What is Deadpool's pet deuce? Capital D on deuce. Is it a cat? Is it a bat? A dog? Or a rat? Uh. What is de- <laughs> I don't know this one. Oh my! What is Deadpool's pet I, deuce? Cat, I, I bat, dog, rat. Dog because he doesn't. I, I know I have the Marvel Legends dog of the Deadpool dog, so yeah, actually the dog I is dog. Had a name. All right, so it sounds like he's got the answer. <laughs> Toy I don't think it'll be the. I don't think it'll be the dog though, because the dog is Dogpool. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes. But I've never seen him have like a. I know he's got a squirrel. I don't know. I, I, I'll say the dog just because that's the only one that I know. He All right. See. It is correct. A dog. It is. Okay. No. Oh, I had okay. to make sure. And by the way, I think we'll wrap that up. But I just have to once again state. I always find it funny when we have a guest on the show and they go, "Oh, I'm going to do terrible," and all three of Oishiz's <laughs> answers were correct. <laughs> Amen. 